Welcome to Board Chili Podcast. I'm Vera. 100 Hong Wan's first series of Board Chili Podcast. We'll have 100 apes from all over the world share their ape stories, talking about their project or fun, and give unique perspectives on working in Web3. In this episode, we have a really amazing ape friend, Zeneca here. Zeneca is a founder of Zen Academy and a platform that helps people to learn NFTs and Web3, and also founder of 333 Club. He's passionate about innovation and personal growth. And he shares his insights on these topics with his popular Twitter account at Zeneca. Please give a follow. I really agree that his favorite quote: "If you wish to be loved, love." And he put into action. He ran a few podcasts, including Two Board Apes and Zen Chats. He's also have newsletters and Web three education courses. He's committed to make a positive impact in the world. And helping other unlock their full potential. What's up, Zeneca? So impressed by what you've done to the space and the huge impact that you reflected to the community. So, how did everything started, and what's your ape story? Yeah, thanks for having me here. My ape story. I guess I'll quickly recap how everything started and how I got into NFTs. So, I was a poker player, professional poker player, for about sixteen years. That was my background. Before all of this, and then I had some friends that were into crypto, and they told me about it in 2017. So I got in a little bit, and then the 2018 bear market hit, and I just threw my hands up, and I was like, ah, okay, this is a fun experiment, but it was over. Let's go back to poker. And then early 2021 rolls around, and like the same thing is happening, and I guess I start paying more attention. And because there's so much stuff that had been built, DeFi, NFTs, etc., it was easier to fall down the rabbit hole and start to believe, like, all right, this crypto thing is really serious, and People can actually use it to improve their lives, and yeah, I fell down the rabbit hole, and that was in early March 2021, and then I went all over the place looking at coins and DeFi and random things. But then、mm, around April, mid-April, I went all in and full-time NFT. I got introduced by Zed Run, who's probably one of the biggest influences on me in the early days. And then started flipping random projects, and then the board apes came along in late April, and the month of May is when they started really going crazy. I didn't mint, and I didn't buy them on secondary initially, but after a certain point, just like being on Twitter, it seemed like literally everyone was talking about the apes. They were everywhere, and I just basically started feeling FOMO more than anything. And I was like, "This is awesome! I want to be part of this community." And、uh, that's what made eventually buy in and. I got in on secondary at point five point six ETH、um, back then, and then I bought one. I feel like I need another because one is always terrible to have; it's hard to sell. And then I actually ended up buying a third one, which was the one I used in my PFP, and that was because there was like this friendly rivalry going on where like the eight floor and the mebit floor was going neck and converging, and like the mebit floor was dropping from five ETH all the way down to point seven point eight. The ape floor was going up and up, and so people were like, "Are apes going to flip mebits?" And then at one point, I just looked, and there was like literally only one ape left before flipping the mebits, and I was like, "I got to buy that one." And so that's the one I bought, and yeah, that's my PFP ape. Oh, so you literally have a similar story like mine. Bought around same time,、mm. and the price is also very similar. And I bought my third ape, which is my current PFP as well. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's very similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm impressed. 
But so sounds like you've been growing your Twitter since like the whole NFT started, and that's crazy how much that you grow it. How did you do it? I'm at twenty something thousand. I'm like trying so hard. But how did you make that happen? Three hundred thousand. That's that's how many like followers ApeCoin Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really crazy and surreal, and a lot of it I think was just right place, right time. So I started a newsletter. In June 2021, and started writing some Twitter threads, and it was at a time when basically no one else was creating content around NFTs. There were a handful of people, and obviously some really big organizations were like covering NFTs in certain respects. But in terms of actual NFT community members and natives writing about the space, there wasn't really much of that. And when I started doing it, people started sharing it, and just all started blowing up because the entire space was blowing up, and so many new people were joining every single day. And being one of the few people creating content, everyone just resonated towards it, and everything just went out of out of control. Yeah. Wow, you're doing amazing thing that you're educating people because I'd say like a very close group of people that it's really hard for newcomers to find a way to learn and getting content, and you're creating something that really amazing for people that. Get to know the space, and yeah, of course, you well deserve that many followers. <laughs> and I think timing wise, this really matter as well. Now the market is clean. Now a lot of people left the space, so it's like really hard to grow、mm. Twitter account as well. Do you have any like challenge moments, like the obstacles that you've been facing the Web three, and how you've overcome it? Yeah, I mean, there's This whole space is full of ups and downs, and there's been plenty of obstacles along the way. Just various bear markets are obviously a little trying, and early on it was it was harder than it is now. But I think my background in poker made it a little easier to navigate the swings because I was very used to, I guess, like making slash losing lots of money in, in short amounts of time because that's the poker life. I guess in terms of like challenges. Probably the larger ones were related to Zen Academy and growing the company, growing the team, running everything. Because I'm like a first-time founder; I've never had a company before, and it's just like this constant learning process. And it's like throughout the year and almost year and a half now that it, since we launched, it's just every day, every week, I find new challenges, and then it's exciting to figure out how to overcome them. But it's definitely a learning process. Yeah, I think how to define like a great founder versus there's someone that can contribute is like when a founder sees a problem, they get excited. What they're thinking is to solve the problem、mm. instead of get stressed or stress is definitely coming along the way. But you know what the excitement of be able to、mm. solve it and the feeling achieved after the problem is solved, it's it's very important. And I think you mentioned a little bit like poker. And the Web three or crypto is very interesting. Two industries that overlap quite a lot. I do have a lot of poker friends that they're in crypto, and then crypto friends start to play poker. So, how do you see that those two things are in common? And from your experience being a poker player, do you have any advice for people in the Web three, and especially for people like it's a mindset training, right? And it's really、mm, difficult.、Yeah. Process. If you can share a little bit experience on how you process this whole industry, that would be maybe really helpful for the listeners. Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of poker players in crypto and vice versa, and it's not a coincidence. I think that there's so many similarities in the sense that, especially if you're like a trader in crypto, so it's very different if you're like a creator, a developer, an artist, or any of the other things. But if you're like someone trading. Which I think it is probably the majority of people buying and speculating and all that kind of stuff. You, 
Like with poker, you deal with financial risk on a very daily basis and in a way that very few people outside of poker or some sort of trading life get to experience. And so you learn how to manage like odds and probabilities and risk and a bankroll, not just from a practical sense, but like you were saying, from like a mindset and emotional and temperament sense. So like you can lose a bunch of money, but then not immediately spiral into a pit of depression and then, or anger and end up like making poor decisions that lead to losing even more money. You're able to play your emotions. Um, at least if you're like a good and successful poker player for a long amount of time, you should be able to regulate your emotions relatively well and almost think of money as a tool or as a resource rather than how most people think of it is and which is very logical, but it's like, oh, you think of money as this thing that you use to buy, to pay for rent or a mortgage, buy food, pay for holidays, pay for entertainment. That is a normal way of thinking about money, but poker teaches you to separate and disassociate that from a certain amount of your money, which is used to play poker and your bankroll effectively, because if you're every time you win or lose a pot thinking about rent or food money, then you drive yourself crazy. So you have to separate those two. And I think it's the same with crypto and trading and NFTs in this whole space. If you're, if you buy an NFT and it goes down in price 95% and you connect that money that you lost, whether in reality or on paper with, oh, that could have been a holiday or a car or food for a month or a nice dinner. You do that enough times that you drive yourself crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, I really actually agree and like what you said, because we see a lot of very successful founders and investors as well. They don't focus on how much money you make, actually use money as a tool to evaluate how much that they've contributed to the world. And it's how to evaluate the value that you have to the society. And I think from what you said, the trader perspective is, is very similar, right? It's really difficult because you always have to against it, your human intuition. So that kind of get back to Blur, that one of the very successful advisory portfolio you've done. Knowing more about your background and I see how that happened. I wanted to hear your part of the story, how Blur thing happened. Yeah, let me, let me take it back a step. So towards the end of 2021, I had been trained and, and got lucky and it was like the whole market was really going nuts. And so it was a successful year of trading and like my Twitter was blowing up. I launched an academy and I guess I just started reaching out with sort of investment opportunities in various companies at various stages. And I've never done any of this before. And I didn't really know about this world or what to expect, but I was like intrigued and interested by it enough to pursue and continue to pursue some investment opportunities. So December, 2021, I invested in both LooksRare and Blur, two potential marketplaces that were competing against OpenSea. And it just, it made sense to me because a lot of people were like getting a bit fed up with OpenSea and it wasn't really scaling and like it had a monopoly and competition is always good. So for a variety of reasons, I invested in both of those. LooksRare launched in January and then Blair took almost another year before launching publicly. Mm -hmm. And so two very different approaches. And along the way, I invested in some other companies as well. So that's how my initial relationship with Blur began. I was just as an investor, I invested in their seed round and was excited to be a part of the ride. And then around March, April, they reached out, the founder of Pac-Man reached out and they were like looking for someone to help with growth and almost like a hybrid between like being an ambassador, but also like an advisor and just like 
connecting them with the NFT Web3 community a bit more. So they offered what I like to come on board as like a bit, bit of a more substantial role. And we chatted and agreed the terms and then we actually met up in person. And yeah, I joined them, became part of the team in, I think it was April, maybe May 2022. And then over the course of the year, I'd help out here and there with advice and then a few other things. And about two months ago, my role changed again, and I'm no longer like sitting in that same advisory ambassador capacity. I'm now shifted over to being Blur, a director of the Blur Foundation, which is a, as they're growing, they're trying to, and they are decentralizing the entire entity more and more. And you know, they dropped a token to disperse governance rights and then ownership of the token to a lot of people in the community. And it is now a DAO being in effect where people can make proposals and vote on decisions that the entire protocol can make and, and all that kind of stuff. So in order for that to happen, you need a director of, or at least multiple directors of, of foundation companies around the world. And so I'm director of foundation now. Oh, wow. Wow. Congrats. I actually really like where they're heading to of decentralization. Like I've been working in the ApeCoin DAO and then doing a lot of DAO related stuff. Mm. It is challenging. It is a very new world that there's a lot of regulations related to it, a lot of uncertainties, and everyone is just walking in this pitch dark. It is so much fun. And I see DAO is really creating this, getting DJ into this Web3 career, because we see most of the DJ that DJing around every day when market is great, yes, but then there are up and downs. And I think more and more DJ are now pursuing a career that you know in this space and this is so different than the web 2 world and whenever you go out they ask you what's your resume what's your education background what is your experience but then in the web 3 and it's just oh i want to do this okay prove me right and then you come to the DAO and prove me that you're capable if you're capable then you know we're welcoming you i think it's such a great way like for people to grow into something that they're really good at and I'm like a huge benefit on that because my background is software engineer. I doing autonomous vehicle for the past six years. I always wanted to do business part. And I've been talking with, I used to at Apple and I talked with Apple leadership. I'm like, okay, I want to do business. And they said, your education background does not look like that. And then I got into a startup. I thought it would be much easier for me to switch a role. And then it didn't happen. And then we got acquired by a big company, NVIDIA. And that didn't happen again. This is, it's a huge change for me to just change into a different world because media has the universe kind of thing that they're creating of metaverse and they have an NFT channel. And one time I'm super happy, jumped into the channel. I wanted to say hi to people. So I said GM and then immediately I got a thumb down, like emoji mm -hmm. act, which really, really broke my heart. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this. <laughs> So yeah, that's leading my way to the DAO and I see that Blur is heading to this direction and I really like feeling it. I don't really talk too much when I interview others, but this yeah. is really make me feel like I see how we're shipping too. With that being said, like we see more and more um, companies that need Web3 native people's help and being on the advisory board or investment. How do you see this whole investment world going to changing? as more and more Web3 project is coming in. We see like a huge missing on Yuga, a lot of big VCs that they did not really engage in the mm. Yuga. They still don't understand what's going on. What do you see that? I think it is a lot of opportunities for Web3 natives, and especially when it comes to investment as well. 
and with your experience, that where do you think this big venture capital is heading to, and how Digen can perform in this world of investment? I think the at the moment, all the VC money is heading towards AI. That seems like the new hot thing. Like in 2021, NFTs and crypto were in vogue and a lot of money was being thrown at crypto companies. And now it's a very different market. It's like a macro bear market, a crypto bear market, an NFT bear market. And it's a lot harder for VCs to justify spending tons of money in this space. It's still happening. Certain projects are still getting funding, but generally not at crazy valuations, crazy round amounts. And yeah, like AI is just the new hot thing. So I think a lot of money is being thrown there. I think that if you're in the space, like you're a degen and you're looking to either invest and or start a company and receive investment from it, you need to be a little, you need to be very realistic and come up with a proper product or service and revenue model and find a way to create a company that will generate revenue and at least have a plan to generate revenue. And that's what everyone should do. But especially if you look into like gain funding, like that's what VCs will ask for and look for and be like, why is the thing you're building going to be valuable? How are you going to help people's lives? How are you going to provide value to people? Which in turn leads to revenue, which in turn leads to higher valuations in the future. So that should be like the starting point of if you're trying to launch something, how are you going to make revenue and help people? And if you're going to invest in something, how is the company you're investing in going to do that? Yeah, that's very helpful because I've been I started a board chili community a while ago, and we are still trying to converting this into a business. And I see a lot of Web three DJ that a lot of us like building a community, building kind of product around it, but it doesn't really have a very mature model of especially when it comes to business and revenue. And it's really just for fun. And I think we need to step a little bit further more than just having fun. And we need to really more and more people should start their career in this space and growing their brand much bigger. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, now more and more VCs money is getting into the AI, which is very interesting because one of my best friends, she's an investor, DM me today and asking, I wanted to invest more and more AIs and asking if there's any VCs that you focus on AI and they want to get get to know. And I do see this is a huge opportunity. The AI and the blockchain can be actually emerging like the mm-hmm. technology. Do you have any thoughts on that? And especially when it's like metaverse is going to happen. And I think AI can play a very big part of it. And it's... ChatGPT has been saving my life as well. Yeah, ChatGPT is amazing. It's still just like scratching the surface as well of what's possible with AI and and chatbots. I think that when it comes to AI and blockchain, obviously metaverses, AI can generate endless worlds. It can generate these characters that aren't humans, that act like humans and really enrich that world. And there's a lot that... AI can help in the development and the fleshing out of metaverses and virtual worlds. I think that the way I see blockchains and AI merging and commingling together in a really significant way, probably the most significant way in the future is like we're already entering this era of AI content generation where someone can create a video of Joe Rogan or Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin or whoever famous person or world leader and it's entirely generated by AI it looks incredibly real and convincing and it's very difficult to tell what's real and what's fake and that's where we're already at it's only going to get worse very quickly it's a dangerous thing when people can't tell 
reality from a fiction. Where blockchain enters the picture is you will now, people will soon realize that you can sign your authentic content or messages or videos with a blockchain signature that, you know, you say, hey, this is my address, my wallet. I have access to it. I alone have access to it. If a video from me comes out, I will sign it. I will stamp it on chain using this wallet. If it's not with the signature, you should just presume that it's fake. And I think that is something that we will see happen more and more because we really need to solve this solution of fake content. You were saying the NPCs as well. I think you guys actually heading to this direction of not just more than metaverse. It's like they also very deeply rooted into the game industry and trying to bring the gaming on chain, which is very different than a game fight that we see before. But I think everyone is trying to explore how the gaming industry will be lapping with the blockchain technology. And I personally think Yuga is heading to the right direction because um, technically they just their gaming assets or either the membership on blockchain as well, instead of creating this whole tokenomics of play to earn. And I'm not a game person, but I really agree with this idea. So where do you see it heading to when a game meets blockchain and especially with Yuga kind of playing as a leader? in this direction. And the second trip is coming soon. <laughs> of yeah. I think gaming is an enormous industry, like two, 300 billion a year and growing rapidly. Most people in the world play some form of video game, whether it's casual gamers on mobile or console or PC gamers. And I think that people spend so much money on games, virtual items, virtual worlds, skins already. So people are very used to the idea of paying money for digital assets. What people aren't yet used to is having ownership over those assets and being able to resell them or take them from one world to another or <clears throat> all the great things that blockchain enables. And so I think, you know, blockchain and gaming is just a match made in heaven and it will eventually be the standard and all games basically will probably most likely be involved with the blockchain in one way or another. It's just hard to know exactly what that is. I definitely have been more mindful of the counter argument where a lot of gamers, they don't want to have ownership of items. They don't want to think about reselling items and profit and revenue and all that. They play games to escape and what they want is just to, hey, I'm going to spend $50. I'm going to have a bunch of fun. And that's it. That's the end of the relationship. And like blockchain, if, if you spend 50 bucks, you get an NFT. And now you have to think, what do I do with that NFT? And do I keep it? Do I sell it? Do I give it to someone? So it definitely can add some stress and friction into the entire thing. But I think overall, it's just such a match made in heaven. And then bringing it back to Metaverse's other side, Yuga, they're obviously creating like the pretty much the biggest and most prolific Metaverse gaming platform that we've seen. Like we've seen Sandbox and Decentraland and Somnium Space, and they're doing great things and coming along and in in their own ways but i think with the reach and visibility that yuga has with the fact that they've already proven able to like step outside of web3 and like with dookie dash you had a lot of popular web2 streamers and gamers playing the game it is yeah i'm like both optimistic and skeptical at the same time like i think eventually it will be a massive thing and everyone will be playing but like it, it might be too early still yeah. i see 
yeah, most of the gamers that what they carry is a fun game, and the、mm. building the fun game it takes really long time, and it's not happening within one year or two.、Yeah. We see also that Yuga has been touching the Dijon world, like they went on the Bitcoin and、mm. did the auction as well. What do you think about it? Yeah, that was an interesting move. I think it was a little surprising, but also not totally surprising at the same time. Because I think for a while now they fired and, and indicated that Yuga is larger than just Board Apes, and like with other side, it was quite clear that it, this was obviously there was a connection and ape holders and mutants got like a free plot and all that, but there's still two separate things being built in two different verticals, and it makes sense for Yuga Labs as a company to explore other areas of. Blockchain technology and NFTs and things they can do, and I think this is just a really great example of that. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm actually really happy to see that they're being very open-minded. They're expanding it to a、yeah. bigger audience, even though that we feel a little bit disconnected in the way that we're not very familiar with that circle. But it's still a good thing for Yuga, right? And、I、really like how they are doing it. Totally agree. We've talked a lot about Yuga, and let's talk about you. The Zen Academy offers courses and resources like a range of topics related to NFTs. So, how do you choose the topics that you want to cover, and what your goal for students to who enroll your course? Yeah. So, when I launched Zen Academy late 2021, I wanted to have a roadmap. I knew how difficult the onboarding process was for new people into the space, and I just wanted to like help flatten that learning curve. And so a lot of our content for a long time was aimed at beginners, onboarding, what is an NFT, how to set up a wallet, <clears throat> all that kind of stuff. But then over time, as you spend longer in the space, as people are part of the community for longer, people start what like they people already know all that stuff. And then so in order to provide content and edu-、uh, information for the community to continue to learn, we had to think about well what's next. And so now we have content on. How to launch your own NFT project? How to build your own community? And really, like within the Discord, there's everything. Like, so we have people who are just general alpha chat looking for new drops. We have people who are airdrop farming and trying to find like all the new upcoming airdrops. We have people talking about ordinals and Canto and other blockchains. We have people talking about generative one of one, which like all over the place. There's something for everyone, I think, in the community. And we that's just happened organically as the community has grown. And as the members have their own desires of what they want, it's just happened this way. So I would say a lot of our content started out beginner friendly and then focused on onboarding, and now we're just doing everything. Yeah. Okay, so let's say I'm a new I'm a newcomer of this industry, right? You know, how do I get into your courses? You have a free lesson, or and、yeah. how can I join your community? Can you walk me through about onboarding? So the best way, and this is where we direct everyone, is we set up this email course. It's just thirty days of NFTs dot com, and anyone can go there. You don't need a wallet. You don't need anything. All you do is you enter your email address, and then every day for the next thirty days, you'll receive a short email teaching you a bit about NFTs. And we structured it in a way that you can go from total beginner. So it's like send it to your parents, send it to coworkers that have almost no understanding of this entire world. And then day one, we say, what is an NFT? Day two is what is a blockchain, and then you know, so on and so forth, and like we get to setting up a wallet and security and marketplaces and everything over the course of thirty days to get people to like from zero to one to get a basic understanding to have a wallet, and then we direct people to if they want to join Zen Academy, we have a free NFT, and so it's a student ID that anyone can mint. It's free. 
unlimited supply, they're soul bound. So there's no financial elements to it. It's just, this is how you enter our ecosystem. Again, because we wanted to make it as easy as possible and for as many people as possible to join. And so you go to zenacademy.com forward slash enroll, or you just go to the main site, click on the enroll button, and there'll be a step-by-step -step process on how to mint your NFT. But we direct people first to the 30 days of NFTs because we realize that just sending people to a mint page is not the best way because people aren't going to know. And actually on the mint page, we tell people to connect their wallet. And if you don't have a wallet, go to 30 days of NFTs because we'll teach you how to get one, get you set up and teach you security that. practices. So that's how we onboard people into the community and academy. And like once they have their NFT, they can join the discord and get access and use Vulcan or whatever tool we use to manage access and read that they had the NFT and then we welcome them and help them out and they're part of the community at that point. And then there are additional tiers and you know, we have a, a PFP coming out and then we've got Genesis token and the three, three, three club and all that. But in terms of onboarding and like for beginners, 30 days of NFTs.com is where we send everyone. Wow. Wow. I like it how everything, the process, onboarding process is free and then you mm. wanted to have that inclusive experience. It seems very easy. Can I just share with my mom and my mom will be able yep. to onboard? That's, wow. that's it. It's, we've designed it to pass the mom test. So yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, to all the audience, share with your mom. <laughs> Yeah, it's, as well. it's in very simple language. So we tried to take out as much of the technical detail and jargon and big words and just make it like easy to understand in like plain English, so what all this is and like using real world analogies. And each day it's not like you have to read a massive article. It's like, it takes three minutes to read the thing. And then it's like, oh, okay. I get it now. And then the next day is like, all right, three minutes. Okay. And then you can always go back and there's you know, there is additional resources every day if you want to watch a video or, or anything like that, but it's really designed very beginner friendly. Oh, I love it. Cause I actually looking for a product like that. When I look back, how I onboarded into the NFT, I learned with a bunch of friends and we're just like all lost. But now with what you have right now, it's like very logical way and very easy for onboarding the people. How does the 333 club play in this, this whole ecosystem? So when I launched in late 2021, there were sort of two membership tiers and options. There was the Genesis, which was priced very low and it was an open edition as well. So like we didn't know how many people would join. We ended up getting about 8,000 mints. And then we had the 333 club, which is priced or was priced much higher, capped at 333 supply. And it was really designed for project founders or builders or people really serious about this space, wanting to be part of a community of other builders and founders, but also advisory or consulting services in, in the form of like direct, I have one-on-one -on -one calls with my community many times a week. And now some of our other team members are also doing that. So we have people like our head of marketing and operations and technology will also meet with the three through three members just to help them launch their projects and guide them through that process. It's really Zen Academy is like having a three tier system now. We have three through three at the top, small, exclusive, founder focus. Then we have the Zen Academy, the Genesis tier, where it's like we minted in 2021. It was a paid mint and it's a little more exclusive, 10,000 total max supply. And then we have the student section and that's like literally open for anyone, free to join and our way of scaling and onboarding. I like it. In the inclusive experience plus exclusive experience. Mm, as well. It's a tough thing to figure out how to do because so many projects are, hey, we have 10K NFTs and it's like, that's great. But then if we're talking about 
onboarding and millions of people wanting to be part of this space. How are you going to scale? And it's, that's it's something that I think I think more about lately. It's very inspiring because I do have my community as well. And I, I always think, think this inclusive and exclusive perspective of my community as well. And this is really something like very smart. And especially when you did it very early. Wow, I'm impressed. Now, two years later, I'm thinking about that, <laughs> which yeah. you already done that before. It took a long time. Again, we launched 15 months ago, 18 months ago. I can't remember. November 2021. And for the first six months, I didn't, we didn't really have a plan or a roadmap and we're just figuring things out. We had a Discord server. And then as time went on, we've just slowly tried things and we've just built up over time. So we, it took, it took us a while to get to where we are as well. Wow. Wow. Do you have a team to do it? Oh yeah. I could not be doing this alone. I have a great, wonderful team. There's about six of us full-time working as an academy. And then we have a lot of, like we have moderators who are very part-time, like 10-ish hours a week. And so we have a large team, but in terms of like full-time team members, I think it's six or seven. That's very impressive. Wow. How did you even do that? This is amazing to hear. I didn't set out to build a large team or to do this. It just happened over time. It was like, I was doing so much and then I just needed some help and so I had people to help come on board and then assist in, in the growing and running and managing of the community. And here we are. What are the roles for your, your team? Are they doing business or are they doing a lot of writings and content creating? Yeah, all of the above. So we have Emily who does marketing and she's head of marketing community. So she does a lot of the high level marketing strategy, the brand cohesiveness, like you look at why we have purple everywhere or our logo or the words that we use or the Twitter account, that's all her doing and running. Mushroom is head of operations. So he helps out with honestly so much behind the scenes stuff. So like payroll and legal and contracts and the business structure and organizing so much other stuff. He really helps behind the scenes. We have Momo who's head of technology. He helps with anything tech related, whether he can do it himself or he coordinates with other developers and anyone that we need to get like website stuff created, smart contract stuff, Discord stuff, anything tech related. There's Momo. We have Luca, head of partnerships. He, okay, we have so many potential partnerships either in the works or like people reach out to us all the time. And so we need someone to really handle all of that. So he helps out there with Vitor is call him like the jack of all trades. Vitor does a lot of stuff. He helps out with like video content and like producing and editing and getting that stuff out there. But sometimes we go through like a lull where we're not actually creating a lot of video content. So he also helps out with sponsorships and content and just a whole bunch. Everyone on the team does a whole bunch of stuff because of startup mode, everyone wears. And then we, like, I'm not going to list everyone else, but we have people who help out community managers in discord, event managers, Tony is a great event manager and running our events, collab managers, Zumo for all the mint list giveaways. We have all the moderators. We have a couple of people working on content, but yeah, most of them are not full-time. Oh, wow. Do you guys have a lot of like in real life events or meetups? Not that many because it's difficult for a bunch of reasons. The team is very dispersed around the world. I think the entire team is across like 13 time zones or something ridiculous. It was very difficult for us to meet up. Me personally, I'm in Dubai now. I was in Europe and it was like difficult to travel to the US, for instance, to all those events all the time. Occasionally we'd go to a different event, but it's just, it's a huge time and money investment to go to an IRL event and then have a big thing. What we have started to do and plan to do more is encourage like micro meetups all around the world. So instead of, Hey, we're going to NFT NYC, we're going to throw a 500 person party or, Hey, we're going to 
NFTLA or VCon or whatever, we might go to some of those events, but I think what our activations will be a lot smaller than they were last year. And we'll encourage community members around the world to say, hey, there's 10 Zen Academy members in this. How about you meet up? If Why don't you, if you're interested, meet up and maybe we can help with like logistics and, and even funding and paying for some of the events. But it's really, I think that is a better approach and one that we're, we're taking. Yes, I agree. Because I host the event, the larger ones are like 200, 300 people. Mm-hmm. Smaller ones, it could be like even five. So I do feel exactly the same way. And when it comes to big events, over 200 people, my, my events are most for social. We don't really have music. I actually have a stage for founders to come talk about what they're building. And because I invite some investors over as well. So it's kind of like a mini hackathon mm. of my event. And I find out because a lot of events are having loud music and dancing. And I do see people are wanted to have that energy and have fun. But I mean, while I do feel like a lot of people maybe have this social needs and they want a stage to show what mm. they're doing. And I, I have like huge respect to all the builders, especially during the bear market right now. Yeah. Uh, we had we had one in Denver that we had a founder's talk. I was not expecting that many people. It was like a hundred people event. There were 20 founders was talking about their wow. project. So it's 20%. And then people who are listening, they're like maybe 20% are investors. And the founders that they, there are a lot of shy founders that didn't want to talk about it. But this whole process make me realize that people are really hungry for a stage that they can mm-hmm. show what they're and I also feel like it's very important to have like deep conversations as well. Like me and you, we're having a podcast and this is really like how I get to know you, right? Like just one-on-ones. And, and I, I had a DAO workshop of, we have like maybe 12, 13 people over. And we had a really deep conversation on DAO and it was recorded mm. as well. So I find out it's really provides a lot of value, how much we could understand about this industry. And I feel like everyone just feel really achieved paying so much money, going to some events and to be able to learn things that they probably didn't get a chance to deeply rooted into or be able to share that their experience, which is very different than others. So I totally agree. Yeah. And I really like the way that you guys are thinking. And I hope I can be part of this someday and having some Zen meetups. Yeah, so that'd be great. Is a Zen is like the Zen I'm thinking of. It's like the meditation Zen. That's the, I'm, I'm very, I'm a big fan of Buddhism and the, that mentality and approach to life. Buddhism and Stoicism, like personally, a lot of the, the core tenets and value that I hold dear. And so that's where the name Zeneca came from and Zen Academy was an extension of that. And so like that whole Zen thing is a common thread throughout. No wonder it brings me calm when I come to this uh, podcast and talking with you. It does really like, it brings me a lot of inner peace with, just, with this whole conversation with you. So it's towards our end of a conversation and I really appreciate your time here. And I'm just going to ask the last question. And um, so can you tell us about your views on this whole like Web3 in- industry and how you see them evolving in the next coming years? And also like, how do you see yourself in five years in terms of the web3 industry in the coming years i think it is it's still a very small industry and community and it is there's a lot of stigma against crypto and blockchain from most of the world and so it's going to take a while for us to get mainstream adoption but i think what i'm seeing and i think most people are seeing is we're getting there we're absolutely getting there there are a lot of huge companies entering the space in meaningful ways because they realize 
oh, this is the future. Web one was the internet, web two, social media, and the early adopters of social media really had a leg up. And now the early adopters of crypto and blockchain technology, I think will have a big leg up if in three, four years time, or whatever it is that like everyone in the world is seeing with, with blockchain in one way or another, the people who spent five years already building out their internal infrastructure to incorporate blockchain technology into their business will be just at such an advantage. So we're seeing that happen. A lot of big companies are coming in and a lot of people from the ground up as well. A lot of people like Web3 natives are launching their own ideas and companies and services and projects and whether it's just artists releasing art and art collections or whether it's developers or people creating SaaS tools or whatever. There's just a lot of building happening, which is awesome to see. And so I think it's going to take a few years, probably still before mainstream, but we're seeing some really big leaps forward in infrastructure and things like ERC 4337 was a huge, huge thing a few days, a week ago, a week or two ago, that is really going to help adoption. And, you know, the entire space is moving forward. So I think we're in this bear market, who knows how long it's going to last. It could last another year or two or three or five or whatever. It could be over in six months. No one actually really knows, but when it is over, which it will be eventually, and things will turn around and adoption will come, I think it'll be huge. And so that's the next few years there. And then on a personal level, what does the next five years look like for me? Or where do I see myself in five years? That Zen Academy is like the core of like my ground zero. So obviously I hope to have grown that and made it almost like a household name and institution in the space where people just know it as a place to that provides good educational, valuable content to help people learn, but probably not just about NFTs and crypto. So I want to expand it beyond just those topics and then think more about AI is a big one. Emerging technologies is a big one. Maybe like mental health and wellness and staying sane in this crazy world and bringing some of the Zen back into it. Because I think a lot of people are looking for that type of content as well. People are always making and losing money in this space. And most people don't have the experience that I do as a poker player to have figured out one way or another sort of how to manage and deal with it. And a lot of people get very emotionally off, off kilter when, when events happen. And I think that a lot of people want guidance and comfort and like a path forward to how to better plan out their lives when it does relate to assets and the whole swingy nature and variance of this space. So yeah, Zen Academy, I hope to have grown significantly scaled. I want it to be like almost like a Web3 university where we issue accreditations and certificates and people take courses and then they get completion certificates and as they build up, it's known within the space, oh, this person is part of Zen Academy. They've taken eight of their courses. They've learned all this. They've gotten stamped. They probably know their stuff in this area and then maybe we'll hire them or find them a job or something like that. So that's like the end goal there. And just on a personal level, I think I just want to keep doing what I love doing and that's create content. If I strip everything else away, like I spend a lot of my time these days running the business, managing a team, doing marketing and growth and built like so many other things which is great. And I really enjoy the learning process of all of that. But what I love is creating content. I think that's what I'm like best mm -hmm. at, honestly, is creating forms of content, taking complex topics and explaining them in simple ways is I think my bread and butter. And I want to make position my life in a way where I can spend the bulk of my time researching, reading, writing, creating videos, and then helping people through through that lens and hopefully have written at least one book because that's on my bucket list as well. Yeah. Wow. Huge respect. With your Zen school, people can actually feel inner peace. As you mentioned, the mental health is also a very important part with learning plus 
training yourself mentally, finding the inner peace in this space is something that it's really fun. And I, I have like huge respect on what you're doing. And yeah. like what you said, if you wish to be loved, love. If you wish to be gifted, give. Right? Yeah. Yes, I really, I really respect you in in this space, and I hope you have a wonderful future and what you want to achieve could come true. And I, I'm here to support with not just me and including my community as well. So let's cheers for the future and thank you. Really appreciate your time, Zenikon. And thank you so much. Really, thank you for coming. Yeah,、so. it's been a pleasure, and I'm here to support you as well. And、uh, we all have to lift each other up and work together for a better. And brighter future, and so really appreciate you having me here. Thank you, thank you so much. We on a boat, no lonely island. Watch out, 'cause the whales and the sharks are silent. Yeah, Machi, big bro, chase gold like a pirate. You better list high, or you finna get snakes. We out here in these virtual streets, running wild. All my dogs are unleashed. It's the Bored Ape Yacht Club.